Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Kay. I'm Christy. And I'm Kelly. We are both moms, educators, kidding around yoga teachers, and trainers, and now podcasters. In this podcast, we will talk about using research-based tools and strategies to help increase mindfulness, self-awareness, connection, self-regulation, and peace in your home or classroom. Join us weekly for some fun and insightful conversations where we will take a deep dive into all things kids yoga and mindfulness. In this episode of Mindful Conversations with Kay, Kelly and I talked to Devin Sisler. Devin has been teaching yoga, mindfulness, and meditation to children and families internationally since 2005 and offering kids' yoga teacher trainings since 2016. She loves sharing the tools of yoga with people of all ages and believes that everyone can benefit from investigating kindness, honesty, generosity, wisdom, and self-liberation. We're talking to Devin about her new book called The Yamas in Pajamas, A Guide to Yoga for Kids and Their Adults. So we are very excited for you to hear this interview with Devin Sisler. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mindful Conversations with Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, morning for me. I always do that. And I need to like stop doing that because I know it's not morning for everybody when I jump on. Kelly, how are you, my dear? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. This is going to be a great episode today because we have an interview and Kelly and I love to do the interviews. So we have with us today, Devin Sisler, and we are super excited to have you here. Welcome to our show, Devin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here after listening to so many episodes. Oh, well, Devin uh, reached out to us and did the most amazing thing ever and sent us each a copy of her new book, The Yamas in Pajamas. And I was so, I was, it was like Christmas when I got it. I always love getting stuff in the mail. You know, who gets, you don't get a lot of stuff in the, in the snail mail too often anymore. So it was really delightful to get that uh, book. So we really appreciate you sending, uh, sending us your book. And um, we are very excited to talk about it. Because I feel like it really, um, it's such a, and, and I, I mean this with all due respect, but it's a very simple, very simply presented, um, really digestible, very easy read. And I was delighted. I was like, oh my gosh, I can use this information <laughs> in my, in my kids yoga classes or when I'm presenting to, to families and teachers whatnot. So, um, so I, I would just love to, I want to find out a little bit more about you and, and kind of your journey. So, so tell us, tell us a little bit about you, Devin. Well, I, um, I started teaching kids yoga in New York city in 2005. Um, around that time I was working in children's theater and circus and clowning. And so when I graduated my first 200 hour teacher training, yeah, that's my background. That is so cool. 
Well, and, and at that time I decided, you know, on a side note to really put together two very unstable incomes, which doesn't actually make a more stable income. It actually was a lot more all over the place. Um, but I graduated my, my first 200 hour teacher training and immediately people said, oh, well, can you teach kids classes? And I said, of course I can, you know, that just felt so, so natural and such an easeful transition. And it was kind of before even doing kids yoga teacher trainings was a thing. There were a couple out there, um, but you know, it's 2005, it was, it was a little bit ago. And, um, so by 2007, I was teaching approximately 20 classes a week uh, to be able to make a living in New York, uh, performing on the evenings and the weekends. And so my schedule consisted of baby and me classes, family yoga, kids yoga, circus yoga, acro yoga, and vinyasa for adults. So I was busy. And I'm also uh, have a background as a writer. And so I was writing all these different class plans, writing, 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 so many different class plans and uh, maybe a little too busy at that time. So I slowly started shifting into using a weekly theme to really encompass what I wanted to focus on so that I wasn't burning out in terms of all these different class plans um, to keep myself inspired. And so I could shift from writing 20 different class plans and having one main class plan that I could modify for these different demographics, for these different environments that I was in. And, you know, in the very beginning, that was going on an adventure, going to the farm, but going to the farm is not going to work. It's going to work for babies and little kids. And it might kind of work in a mommy and me situation, but it's not going to work for the acro yoga and the adults. Right. Uh, so I started folding in my study of philosophy and the yoga sutras to really make that esoteric stuff more accessible, but also so that I was finding these connections and these little places where I was really fired up and inspired. And I could say this weekly theme can apply to all these different people. And I kept writing. And, you know, like I said, there was a shift from class plans to really recording some of the tools and techniques that were working and how this one theme can apply um, to different people. Oh, so here we are. That's awesome. I, I, I love that. And that's, that's how I teach too, because I teach a lot of different ages and a lot of different classes. And in order for it to be sustainable, like you're, you know, you, you really have to like hone in and um, you know, I figured that out after a couple of years myself, cause it gets, and I like being creative too and writing and thinking of all the ideas and all the themes and all the things, but it, it gets overwhelming after a while. So I love that, but I love that you also took something that um, was helping you to become, uh, you know, to make your life eat more with more ease as a teacher, and then eventually developed it into something that others could benefit from, you know, with, with this book. So, um, so it's really awesome. I love it. I, the, the other thing I think that's very interesting is you said, you said people came to you and said, can you teach yoga to kids? And you're just like, yes, I can. You just, and you jumped right in and you did it. Which, you know, yoga, <clears throat> this is, it's one of those things that often people can't bridge the gap between adult and kids yoga. They don't understand that it's a very different process. Like you don't, 
you don't lead a 60 minute vinyasa class for, you know, six-year-olds. It just, it's neck. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated that you were able to just quickly adapt and, and jump right into that world and go, you know what? Yes, I can. And, and did you find that, that, well, I mean, you did, because obviously you immediately built up and you had 20 classes that you were teaching each week. So did you incorporate games? Did you make, did you do story? Like what, tell me about your classes back in the early days. Yes. No, um, so I think a few of those very first classes, it was that kind of vinyasa for adults and we're going to throw in a couple games. Gotcha. And I want to give a shout out to one of my, um, the first places that I got a regular kids class was uh, Jennifer Brilliant Yoga. She's still there in Brooklyn. And she had a couple different class, uh, kids classes that I assisted. And then she said, I don't want to teach kids, but I want to assist you in teaching the kids. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, one of those, one of those first classes where I, where I took over that session, I remember saying something like, oh, well, if you don't all get back to your mats, then we're not going to do the fun thing that I planned at the end. And if you don't do this, then we're going to do that. And she stopped me and she said, I, you can't talk to the kids that way. And that is how I was raised. And that's how I was taught academically. Uh, if you don't do this, then you don't get that. And she said, it's inherently a violent thing to say, if you don't do this, you don't get that. So the comparison is to be able to say, if you don't eat your dinner, you don't get dessert, which denies the inherent value of your, you should eat your dinner because it's good for you. And because someone made it for you with love. And, and I just really need you to eat your dinner right now. And that's the conversation to have. So to be with kids in this way of where are they exactly? What do they actually need from me? What can they actually absorb from this class plan? And that also really launched me into a study of nonviolent communication, um, Marshall Rosenberg's work. And I'd love if someone knows if he's ever studied the Yoga Sutras. I don't believe he has. Um, I know he did study uh, Gandhi. And so his the beginning of nonviolent communication is really how do we be kind, compassionate, and honest. And so I feel like when we talk about the yamas, honesty and um, nonviolence, you know, it's the same thing. So, so all of these different worlds kind of came together. So she, she was, that was just such an incredible moment of really valuable feedback. You know, she gave me his book and said, you need to read this. And um, then in my circus classes, I was co-teaching. So that's where I, I got to work directly with other people who'd been working with um, in what we call a social circus situation. Um, we were teaching artists. So we're both performers and artists. And so I really got to work side by side with people who are very skilled, who'd been doing this for, for many, many years and glean a lot of amazing tools. And then I was teaching by myself in a bunch of different places. So um, I found I found my collaborators and mentors. Um, Kevin O'Keefe, Kevin and Aaron O'Keefe uh, founded Circus Yoga. I think they now call it the human art of play. Um, and so I started working for them. And also, you know, I could say, oh, this class was crazy. How, how, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do better? Such a, it's such a, um, 
a journey, right? As a as a teacher of, of any kind, right? Um, and I, you know, as a former classroom teacher, I have found my journey, um, you know, similarly because, you know, getting uh, my education degree and learning to become a classroom teacher, we were taught many classroom management things that. I no longer believe in <laughs> after finding my yoga practice and becoming, um, you know, a kid's yoga teacher. Um, and, and, uh, it's such a, um, yeah, just a journey. And I think that the education system still has a lot of journeying <laughs> to go through, yeah. um, to, to find that same, that same way to honor kids in the space that they're coming to you at, whatever that is, and that they're communicating through their behavior and, and all of that. And so, so it's, it's always fascinating um, to hear people, different people's journey and how they find that, um, you know, working with kids to go back a little bit before you became a teacher, a yoga teacher, did you have your own yoga practice? Where did you first experience yoga? You know, the first place I experienced yoga was in college and I didn't know how to touch my toes with straight legs and I couldn't stand on my hands and I didn't know you could learn those things. So I thought I wasn't good at it and I just stopped. And then I um, took a Pilates class. So that was kind of a gateway into, oh, if, if you work at it, I think that was like my gym class was taking a Pilates credit kind of thing. Um, so I started to understand that I could learn flexibility from that. And um, then when I was in theater school, I started, uh, we were doing a lot with acrobatics and a lot of the acrobatics was kind of like, well, just try it until you stop falling. Try it until you stop hurting yourself. Just, just fling your body around, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> and I started going to a yoga class in a gym situation where we were going through things a little more slowly. So I felt like I could understand the shapes. I had no idea what anyone was talking about though. I didn't understand any of the Sanskrit and it was really like a gym yoga kind of class. And then I ended up um, figuring out that the theater masters that I was, the masters of fine art that I was pursuing was not the right program. And I dropped out and I, um, Part of the way that I dropped out was uh, I ended up, I didn't end up, I, I intentionally went to Indonesia to do relief work after the tsunami. And mm. what happened there was uh, my roommate had worked with this Buddhist organization um, that did a lot of relief work that worked with children. And so they called her after the tsunami and they said, will you come here and will you, um, Will you do some of the work that we've we've known you do, the play work that you do with children? Will you bring that here? And she said, you know, at the time she and I were living in London, she said, I'm living in London. Why don't we do a fundraiser and send you money? And they said, oh, no, we have so much money coming in. You need to come here. These children need to learn how to play again. Um, so like every single person that you meet in Chase, Indonesia, when we were there, lost at least one, if everybody else in their family, like who's yes. ever alive is like the one person. Um, and so we were doing some kind of theater play stuff with the kids and, and we created a show that the kids became a part of halfway through this time in this devastated, really rough place, um, rough place and time. 
I realized I didn't like the program I was in. I didn't, it wasn't a fit for me. And so I, I figured out I, I was much happier working with children, doing this kind of thing. And the Buddhist organization, I started meditating every day with one of the nuns. So it was one-on-one. Um, and that was just, I mean, a mind-blowing way to be introduced to meditation. And when I came back to the States, I said, I just really wanna do clown and circus and as much yoga as possible. And so I got into my first yoga teacher training at Om Yoga with Cindy Lee and Heather Shaw and Frank Morrow. And so I was still doing a lot of this children's theater, this outreach, this relief work and um, finding my place of physical balance, of mental balance, um, it was just also really wonderful to be in this community that valued a lot of lifestyle things that I was also um, really enjoying at the time. So I was a vegetarian for maybe 16 or 17 years. Um, wow. And so, you know, mindful eating was a part of it and, you know, getting together and, and singing kirtan, you know, that much much more interesting side of New York City than uh, some of the bar scenes and things like that, <laughs> that I had known, you know, so socially to get together and say, we're just going to sing, you know, and yeah. acro yoga is really similar. We're going to get together and we're just going to play as adults. Um, so the, the learning, the physical posture learning being a little bit slower was just so much more accessible to me. And uh, here we are today. So I, did I answer your question? I got, I went all the way out there. <laughs> and I'm so glad I asked it because that was fascinating. That is fascinating. I didn't know you went on such a long, long journey in finding your yoga. So that's, that's really neat. Yeah, that that's fantastic. So, so then, okay. So you have, so currently you have two children. You have two little ones. Is that correct? Yes. Two and four at this moment. <laughs> You're, you're in the and for some little ones. So in the weeds. <laughs> so what, um, what inspired this book? So just so just a little bit, just a little bit about, um, about the book. I mean, I, 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 I love the way it's broken down the yamas and pajamas. It's broken down into, um, each chapter kind of covers one of the yamas and, and, and there's, there's journal prompts, there's affirmations, meditations, there's, you know, yoga poses that you do with it. So kind of what, what inspired you to, to write this book? Tell us a little bit about that. So I've been writing the book in some form or another, probably since about 2007 and, <laughs> And it became the manual um, for uh, the teacher training that I do. And then I wanted to take that and make it a book for the rest of the world. Cause I want these tools to be in the hands of as many people as possible, whether or not you wanna teach kids yoga. And so I started that whole process of um, trying to do book proposals to publishers. And as I'm doing that process, one of somebody recommended that you research who else is out there, you know, who's doing something similar. We want to establish that there's a market for this book and that there's a need for your particular book within that market. And so I started doing that research and I found that there are a lot of wonderful books on asana and pranayama and meditation for kids. 
So, so there's a, a growing library. It's a really exciting time in the world that, that those are out there. And we know there are a ton of books for adults on the eight limbs of yoga. And I couldn't find anything that was really the eight limbs of yoga for kids. And so that was the, the book proposal that I put out there. Um, I got a couple rejections from sending those book proposals out. I guess that was about two years ago. And around the same time I sent out those book proposals, I also sent out um, a, a note, an email to a couple of people that I've studied with, or I've read their books and loved their books. And I said, what do you recommend? How do I, how do I do this? How do I turn this thing into a published book? And two of my just absolute revered teachers, Ravi Ravindra and Nishala Devi Joy wrote me back within about 24 hours. And they wow. said, our blessings for you. I mean, separately, they said yeah. blessings to use this um, to quote us in your book and you should really self-publish. <laughs> and that, that was the same day I got my rejection from Shambhala and I kind of went, okay, world. Okay. <laughs> so I, I started the process of self-publishing this book. And then this January, I realized this project, the eight limbs of yoga for kids, it's too big and it's too precious. And my mother-in-law, um, who's also, who's a geologist and a yoga teacher, she's a really incredible person, had said, well, why don't you just do the yamas and pajamas? And it also is our regional accent that we pronounce yamas and pajamas in the same kind of way. Um, so I've noticed that lately as a couple people have given me feedback around it. And I feel that my background in yoga has been both, uh, you know, really tying together the joy, the delight, the esoteric and making it accessible. And so, you know, thinking about doing yoga in your pajamas is just such a perfect metaphor for how I think we can go forward, you know, doing it, doing stuff while you're surrounded by your laundry and the world feels like it's falling apart, but everybody's okay. And we're just, we're going to meditate anyway. We're going to try to do some of these things and get through the day. That is amazing. And I, I love that you brought up uh, Nichelle Joy Debbie and 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 how she reached back out to you and plus so that was the one thing I, I picked up on a lot in your book was was kind of that um, in reference to her the secret power of yoga which I love that book and just right out the gates that first chapter on ahimsa rather than you know where where you say it's like rather than saying nonviolence let's let's say gratitude and what is this gratitude uh, reverence love and compassion for all. Like, I love that, like changing, like putting a different spin on it rather than it being kind of that, you know, nonviolence. It's, it's making it, it compassion, peace, joy, all of that. That's, it's wonderful. And that's, I, I loved that about her book um, is that she, she does that with each one of those things. So um, I think that is, that is amazing. And what a cool, what a cool way to come to this. So let me ask you this. We have the yamas and pajamas. Is there going to be a niyamas? And like, are you taking each of the eight limbs? Like, is this a plan yes. to do? Yes. Yeah. That's okay. exciting. Yes. That so, is so it's kind of a funny part right now about trying to get this out in the world and let people know it exists. And then also um, returning to writing. And and I do, I feel that my um, my balance in the world professionally is in teaching and writing. So there's the, the class that I think I'm going to teach, the class I actually teach, and the, the reflections afterwards 
Um, and then what of that becomes that kind of creative writing part? Though I think that's, you know, that's the triangle that keeps me inspired um, rather than burnt out. I think, you know, what Kelly said was sustainable. How do we keep this sustainable? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this this is amazing. This book is amazing. So let me ask you another question. And I don't know if this is a tough question or not, but so Kelly and I do a lot with um, working with schools and, you know, going in and doing professional development for educators that are interested in bringing mindfulness, you know, into their, into their days. Um, would, have you, have you worked with teachers in like public school settings with this? And have you found any sort of pushback um, with these concepts or any ways that you feel like, like they need to modify or change or tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so when I was figuring out what I was going to do, I also worked as a substitute teacher because I was thinking I might want to go down that path. And I, when we talk about reverence and compassion, I have so much reverence and compassion for everyone who's made that their profession because it's so demanding mm -hmm. and, and there's a pull from so many different sides. And I figured out that it wasn't quite the way for me. I wanted to hustle and make my way in a, in a, in the world. Um, so I, I was able to really focus in on my calling was empowering others in giving them tools to know themselves, to breathe self-regulation. And so, yes, I have been working with schools, um, from New Jersey to Santa Barbara, um, to Oregon, and, you know, really there's interesting because I think sometimes instead of saying, for example, um, this is a chant that Tibetan monks use, I can say there are revered people in Tibet who say this thing. And so, so instead of making it a religious connotation, because I really want to respect that and I want to make it very clear that that that's different, um, you know, we can talk about things in terms of his history, in terms of geography. And so we can give some of the context from where this might come from, because at the end of the day, um, you know, what I might be thinking of as a facilitator is the phrase loka samasta suki no bhavantu, which in one translation is may all beings everywhere be happy and free from suffering. And so I can then take that into the English and say, may, may I be happy, may you be happy, may we all be happy. And that's a phrase that is accessible, that everyone goes, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that, sounds, yeah. that sounds pretty nice. May I be happy, may I be healthy, may you be he healthy, may we all be healthy. Another example, you know, in the sound of OM, we have that beginning, the middle, the end, and the silence afterwards. And um, one of my teachers equates that with, you know, the the morning, the middle of the day, the end of the day, the dark of the night, or the beginning of our life, the middle of our life, the end of the life, and who knows what happens afterwards. And so our society, modern society, really reveres, uh, I'm going to just go with media, right? Pop culture really reveres 
being young, being in the middle of your life. And so we don't necessarily need more chooch and oomph, but we do need grounding and calming. So instead of going through the whole phrase, om, I will have people, participants put their hands over their sternum and just repeat the sound. And listen for the silence afterwards. So we make that sound when something smells really good or it tastes really good, but it's also that calming grounding and that can help us find ourselves and listening for a silence is a great way to say, um, to alternate instead of saying, everybody be quiet right now. Listen for the silence <laughs> after your sound. <laughs> Pointing positive. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. We've, and we find that, yeah, just, just making those small little adjustments when you're working in a, in a situation, like maybe you're in a public school setting where there is a little bit of, um, you know, the, the reservation, uh, around, you know, I, I generally don't chant on when I'm in a public school setting. I don't, I don't say namaste when I'm in a school setting, you know, I, there's, there's certain things that I, I try and, you know, just sort of make some small adjustments. I like that. Just like taking a big deep breath in through the nose and then mm, like that, that's a, that's a great one. I love that. Just, and then even doing, um, something like the Brahmary, you know, the bumblebee breathing, you know, with the kids, you know, we call it bumblebee. So, so just have them have them maybe cover their ears and close their eyes and just hum and make the sound of it. And like, listen to that and feel, feel the vibration of that. I mean, it's the same, you know, it's kind of a similar concept to ohm, you know, you're creating that, that vibration and, and which is so soothing to the nervous system as we know. And so, um, so that, that's great. Just making those little small adjustments. I love, I love all those. That's, that's wonderful. Great. And I love that you're able to work in the schools too. That's, that's really fantastic. That's Kelly and yes. I are, uh, that's our big push. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. How Christy said in the beginning, the book is so accessible and so digestible that it makes it um, easier for somebody who doesn't have maybe any yoga experience to be open to some of these concepts that might seem overwhelming if you, you know, have this big book that you have to get through with a lot of complicated concepts and ideas. And I just love that it, you know, it just makes it more open to, to so many people. And coming back a little bit to the title, the, the Yamas in Pajamas, um, I love what you said about like, you know, just being at home and in our pajamas and being able to do yoga, like that's also something that Christy and I really talk about a lot is that yoga is like all throughout our day, right? We're doing yoga, even we're not on a mat. There's so many times throughout our day that we're doing yoga. It's just weaved all throughout our day and our experiences, especially like, you know, as a parent and as a teacher. So um, I love that, that visual of, you know, you could do it anywhere. Especially when you're sitting around your house with piles of laundry. Kelly and I know nothing about piles of laundry sitting around. <laughs> if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we, laundry, is, laundry is a least favorite chore in these houses. So I, I know nothing about piles of laundry anywhere. <laughs> this is great. So, okay. So next up, 
niyamas, and I don't know if they will be in pajamas, but but that is exciting that you'll go through each of those each of the eight limbs and and break it down in in such a way that that uh, like Kelly said makes it um, simple for for somebody who who literally has zero. But like I could have picked this up with zero. I mean, I have an extensive yoga background myself in, in uh, as a teacher, but I love this because I felt like oh yeah, anybody can pick this up, and it's and it and it totally makes sense, and it and it reinforces how much yoga is not just the poses because that's what that's what a lot of people who don't have any experience with yoga they think of they think of the poses and there's and, and that's a piece of it for sure but oh my gosh there's so much more to it than that and and this is just a really nice kind of like introduction to uh, you know some of the other things outside of yoga poses um that are that are part of it so very exciting stuff. I love this. And then Devin, you you mentioned earlier when we were talking that um, you're actually going to do kind of a book club scenario with this. Tell us about that. Yes. So September 20th, 2023, um, we will do a book club. So if you're in Bend, Oregon, you can come to the studio. If you are not in Bend, Oregon, um, you will be able to join via Zoom. And we have a really nice hybrid setup. And so that'll be gathering together to talk about the book, figure out different ways that either the book just can insert into life or what bubbles up when you're reading this book that you didn't expect to come out of it. And we'll meditate a little bit together and uh, make sure that we have some fun. And if we find that we're laughing, then I think I think we've definitely done it right. So that's the intention. And that will be three weeks for just an hour because parents and educators and caregivers, we get together for a restorative hour and then go back to all the other things that we do. That's amazing. And where can people get your book? Is it in all the places? Is it, tell us where they can get it. Well, I saw it was available on Target the other day, but it was out of stock. So um, Amazon is definitely going to be one of the fastest ways to do it. Uh, if you would like a signed copy, you can go to my website and you can order one from my website and I ship those um, once a week. So you wait a little bit longer, but that's the way to get a signed copy. And um, if you like the book and you want to you got it on Amazon. Writing a review is a really great way to help other people learn about it. And uh, if you don't like something in the book, just email me and tell me. I'd love to hear that too. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I, I have, we have our signed copies, which I'm so delighted. And we just are, are so appreciative and send us one because I, I feel really lucky I have a copy um here with me so um that is that is amazing and I know Kelly is opening up her own mindfulness studio and perhaps this might be a book she might carry in her space right Cal yeah we're gonna be in touch because I was saying to Christy before you hopped on that um I would love to to have this um in my studio and sell this um from there. So, so we will be in touch. I'm, I'm not open, open yet, but very shortly I will be open and up and running. So I'll be, be in touch with you on how we can, how we can do that. That's so exciting. That's wonderful news. Um, well, I'm so delighted to get to share it with you. It's so fun to get to talk about it here. And um, yeah, 
we're just doing good stuff in the world and, and it's really nice to meet you. Well, we just appreciate you taking the time to to be here with us. And obviously we we are so appreciative to all of our listeners uh, for for hanging out and and um uh get get your copy of the Yamas in pajamas. It is delightful and I a hundred percent um would uh, would recommend this book to to anybody who has any um affiliation with children. If you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're a, a caregiver, any of those things. Um, I, I definitely think everybody can, can gain something from this book. So Devin, thank you so much for your time, for being here with us. Thank you to our listeners and uh, everybody. We appreciate you and we look forward to our next mindful conversation. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to subscribe and give us a written review to help us reach others and share all the benefits of kids yoga and mindfulness. If you want more information on all that Kidding Around Yoga has to offer, you can find us at kiddingaroundyoga.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Kidding Around Yoga. We will meet you back here next week for another fun conversation with Christy and Kelly.